kind of a shit disturber when I played baseball. I was one of those kids where if the um, if the infield dirt was like of the dry variety, you know, there's like sometimes it was sandy and chalky and the wind was just so and I was playing like, or I was leading off second base, sometimes I would just gingerly kick dirt and it would puff up into the air but the, then the wind would take it into the face of the shortstop. And it was it was a beautiful system. I felt really proud of that until I got caught doing it by an umpire. And, um, but I'm happy that I found out just before the show started that my guest and I share the same level of respect <laughs> for the men in blue. I don't want to speak for them. Um, please welcome, I'm really excited about today's interview. Uh, please welcome to the show, former Blue Jays manager, Gibby John Gibbons. John, how are you, buddy? James, hey, I'm doing good, man. Hey, hey what a uh, difference in, in uh, opening music you're playing too, man. We're you're rapping and then you you uh, slowed it down. So, but I can tell you're a rebel just by that music, man. That intro. But I'm doing yeah, good. I'm a, I'm a hip hop head. I don't know what that what that means. Um, you, uh, it was funny because I'm reading your book right now. Sorry, your book, by the way. Um, I love it. Uh, it sounds like you, so that you captured your own voice, which is always a good thing. Well, you um, like it, good. I'm I'm glad you like it. Yeah, um, the, the book is called Gibby Tales of a Baseball Lifer. And as a person that, that spent uh, you know 12 years playing baseball and never making it anywhere because I wasn't as good as you were, um, but I, I remember the culture of baseball. And you spell it out really beautifully in, in, in your book, in the, especially in the, early, uh, in the early going. And then um, what was really interesting, almost right off the bat, I think you mentioned this, that your first competitive baseball game was in Newfoundland. Yeah, that and you're from San Antonio originally, right? Just well, to make, no, just to make sure. Yeah. Well, hey, my mom and dad are both from Boston, right? I tell okay. everybody, you know, everybody says, "Well, you're low key, nice guy." I said, but the, 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 they're they're both from Boston. That's that's the asshole in me saying, "Okay, the Boston blood." But no, my dad joined the military, and uh, we one of he was stationed uh, up in Goose Bay, Labrador, around the time of seven or eight. So I played my first little league game up there. Yeah, that's my in, in, introduction. Um, do you remember that you, you guess it's interesting. Did you, you probably didn't expect when you were young to have, um, you know, such a good relationship with your neighbor to the North, that must've been kind of a surprise to you really in hindsight, right? Like, you know, and, uh, you said it in your book, let me just make sure I have the right one here. It was a rough start for me in Toronto. I had to shack up with the pitching coach, sleep on the couch, but I could walk to the park. Son of a gun. This is not that easy. Quit complaining. I was in the big leagues. After a couple months, I realized I really like the city. I hate to insult Canadians reading this book, but I'm a lot <laughs> like you in a lot of ways. And That's just by stating it like that, with that kind of sarcasm and that humor, is kind of Canadian, you know? Like, yeah, I, James. Yeah, you know what? Uh, uh, you know, I was young when when I lived there, but I, there was something about it I liked. And my mother would tell me, you know, that was one of her, her and my dad's favorite assignments, you know. And people would tell him, how did you get stationed up in Goose Bay, Labrador? Is the Air Force punishing you? You know, did you do something wrong? So they send you up there. But she said they loved it. And there was, uh, uh, but the fact that I go back there to play the, you know, the, for my first big league job, right? Um, but but my first go around, it wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, we, we, the team stunk, right? And I, you know, I got fired. I mean, I got hired when Ta Carlos Tosca got fired late in the year. And I was attached to uh, J.P. Richard. He was a GM at the time. And he came in. He's a, he's another Bostonian. He, he came in. He's brash. And I, and I don't think he, uh, he was welcomed right away because he'd, he'd wear it on his sleeve. And, he, you know, he's a crazy Italian guy. And he'd tell it like it is, right? Yeah. And uh, he could be condescending. And so, but so now I'm tied with him. And the team stinks when I took over. And it was kind of, I think there was, there was just, people were frustrated with the team, all these broken promises. The team's not any good. 
year after year, right? And, and they're being built up. And so naturally, you know, I'm in, in front office and managers are usually the, the scapegoats. So I'd be walking down, the, I'd walk down the streets and people recognize me naturally because, you know, you're on TV every, every night with doing an interview or something, right? <laughs> hey, look at me. What is going on with the bullpen? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Nice move. But in, in the, 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 they catch your eye, you know, they see the look and they look like, look away, right? Yeah. And, right. and James, it was one spot just down this, just down the block from where I live. It was a Tim Hortons there, right? And so I go, I go, I go down there. Shocker. Yeah. And I, I'd walk down there. You know what? Actually, to the right, it was at the end of the block, there was a Starbucks and a Tim Hortons at the other side. I, went there, Tim, I was really trying to be Canadian. That could literally be anywhere in Toronto, but go ahead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the, the only guys that would, they would say hi to me, and, and uh, well, there were some homeless guys who would always sit on the corner there at the, uh, it was on King and uh, John and, or anyways, right over there. Yeah. And, and, they, and they would say, hey, give me, how you doing at the game going last night, right? You know, and I bring him out, flip it. Looney or Tooney or bring him a donut or something. Those are my guys, man. And they, they were always cool to me. And then, then when the second go round, when, when things finally, it took a while there, it started going well. You know, I'd see people on the streets and everybody smile and we'd shake hands and take a picture and have and, and BS, you know? So, you know, baseball, professional sports, you know, man, it's all about winning. If you win, things are good. People like you. If you, if you don't, you stink. You know, uh, they're not your favorite guy. There's a, it's hard for people that don't play baseball to kind of understand what I mean when I say this, but there's more theater in baseball or something, you know, and, and, and you're the most unique person on the field. Um, you, you were a catcher uh, when you played and you're the only person <laughs> facing in that direction on your team <laughs> other, right, than the, right. other than the hitter. And, um, you know, I, I, I always um, sort of admired catchers because it takes, first of all, it, it takes courage to even try it when you're young right? Because you're a bat is swinging where you're trying to catch a ball and it's hard to compute that when you're six or, or something. And then it becomes, um, I know knuckleballers wear the crown for the craziest um, position in baseball, but only a person as crazy as a catcher could catch a knuckleballer, right? Isn't it sort of like that? Isn't that the pecking order? Oh yeah. Well, well, first off, you guys that are the catchers, you know, they're, they're usually your worst athletes. They put them back there, the squatty fat kid, you know, and, and, uh, I tell you what, when I when I was gosh, when I lived in Houston, this was after Goose Bay. The day I came back to the states, and and I was playing on a little league team, and they made me the catcher, right? And you used to look back then, you had the full helmet and the mask for the little kids. So I go back back there, and the the the, the first pitch thrown to me, the kid swings, it hits me in the back of the head with the bat, right? But I had that helmet on, knocked me down, and I thought this is perfect for me, man. And I was a catcher ever since. I loved it, you know. So. Yeah. There was, there was baseball also lend itself to tricks and, and things that like, like we would, we, I always wondered, so say if fly, I heard someone say once that um, they love the infield fly rule because it just assumes the worst out of everybody. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, like we're all a bunch of liars, like tra traversing this chessboard, but the, um, you know, the way that, the way that baseball has um, kind of luck sewn into it. You know, like, like, uh, you know, what do they say in Bull Durham? One more seeing eye single out of 10 at-bats and you're a 300 hitter, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, perfect example. This is going to be fresh on everybody's mind. That uh, playoff game against Seattle, right? That, that, that uh, at the end of the second game, the clincher, perfectly placed ball to, to you know, uh, you know, if, if it was a little higher, it would, there's, there's your infield fire, right? Or whatever. Yeah. If I don't remember how many outs there were, but. It was perfectly placed where the you know the two infielders going back and then Springer coming in can't get to it right and, and that that's just you know like you say like an inch the ball runs rolls through the in, middle of the infield it's a base hit otherwise you're out you know you're not a 300 hitter anymore so that that is kind of one of the beauties of baseball things things crazy things happen nothing you can do about it and uh, that's why if you have the best athletes you know you you win usually <laughs> um the the umpire thing. Um, if one of your chapters of your book is, Hey, I love umpires or something <laughs> like it's, 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 it's pretty sarcastic, but this stuck out to me. This was the most hilarious sentence. Like I laughed out loud and I think I might've spit some sandwich out or something. I have never gone out to argue just to argue. I have always been angry about something. Yeah, no, that's the truth right there. Yeah. This is, but it doesn't sound like a good reason though. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I was angry, of course. <laughs> you know? No, you know, you know what I mean by that, James? It's like, you know what? If if I got to go out and argue to, to motivate my guys, something's wrong with them, man. You know what? Yeah. You know what I mean? But but this is what I, we were always known as. We, we 
we had we were a whining team. We had we had some of the biggest whiners in the game. Batista, Donaldson, you know, were two of the top, right? You know, they were a lot. They were a lot. I mean, the two best players in the game, two of them, and they were right a lot of times, right? But then the times that they, you know the umpires get tired of it, right? And then you get the other dugout complaining, and they, they hated us because of it, right? Yeah. But it did. It it worked against us, but it also got us some calls. But you know, I I always believe if if you, if you want your players to fight for you, you better fight for them, right? And so if there's if there's some bad calls being you know made against our guys, I gotta fight for them. Not only it's not, it's not uh, I don't feel it. That, that's the important thing to do. We're trying all trying to win, but you you know what? I I can honestly say I never went out there to put on a show for that way. Usually if, if you know if the team's playing crap or they're sticking it to us and I don't want to watch any more of it anyway, you go out there you, you know you get yeah. chucked. And they give you give them the magic word as you cuss at them, you cuss directly at them, call them some, you're gone. You know they usually give you peace, but it's a uh, yeah, it's, uh, that, that's what's missing from the game, too, I think, though. Would you agree with the, with the instant replay? Yeah, the, a little bit. Like, I, there's the theater. That's the theater, basically. Yeah, right. like, you, you have um, – it's. I think you've been ejected 53 times um, from, from games. And, uh, you know, it, it is it, – you, you've been able to um, sort of become like a, a, a – almost like an icon of, of like people who stand up against umpires. Because isn't it like in the shortest amount of games? <laughs> like you're, I think Bobby Cox has like 160 um, ejections, but he's played like a million more games than you have, right? Uh, well, yeah, and then you got to remember too, re replay cut, cut some of those down. You know what? Uh, yeah, I, you know what? I, I, I've been called angry before, angry young man, you know, so I got some of that in me. But, I'll, hey, you know what? I'll also tell those guys out there, James, you know, when you, if, yeah, you make a good call, hey, hey, great job, whatever, all that. But uh, it's tough to hold it in sometimes. I feel like you kind of um, made it so that you had to earn your right to sort of, like, um, be that guy. Because in the book, you talk uh, – your dad was a military guy. Um, you, you had a lot of respect for, the, uh, for, for your coaches – and it seemed like you had a good respect for authority. Um, what went wrong, John? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, hey, if I'm going to hold myself accountable, I got to hold everybody accountable, don't I? The whole fire's right. got to be accountable. That's right. Hey, you know, uh, I, I grew up that way. I grew up in a very disciplined household, military father. And I grew up in Texas where it's yes, sir, no, sir, you know, and you do it my way or, you know, the highway, basically. Uh, and, and in a lot of ways, I, I think we're missing a lot of that nowadays. But, uh, but you know, you say, um, uh, you know, I kind of, I, I, I don't fight uh, authority necessarily, but I, I question it sometimes, you know. And, and, um, and that's not that we're talking about umpires here, but I question the calls. But ov overall, I don't think you can be blinded by that. Maybe because I was held down so much as a young kid, now, now I'm questioning everything. I don't know. A little taste of the power and that's it, right? Like, oh, yeah, power corrupts, man. <laughs> Um, Rusty, hey, just look at the United. Hey, just look at the government in the United States of America. You want to talk about power corrupts? There you go, brother. I, I I don't know if I'm allowed to comment on that because we're so small militarily that I don't want anything bad. To Tucker Carlson just advised the United States to liberate us from Justin Trudeau somehow. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess, uh, um, I, I found it fascinating that Rusty Staub uh, took you to your first hockey game. Yeah. That's kind of neat when sports crosses over like that, you know, when, and, 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 you know, the, you're able to, to sort of like see a, a different type of uh, sport culture, because that's really what it is in Montreal. You mentioned in the book how it's not really big in San Antonio, but you're in the Mecca of hockey basically when you're in Montreal. Right. So, oh, yeah. well, San Antonio has a minor league team, but I think it used to be the Florida Panthers. One of, one, of, one of the leagues, but yeah, rusty Legrand orange, you know, cause he was a, he was a legend up there in, in the, you know, he got some tickets. I don't know how he did it because when I when I was in Toronto, you could never get they could never they would never uh, swap out Leafs tickets. You could never get any Leafs tickets. Usually, the baseball team and the hockey or the basketball they they you know they exchange things so he's, everybody can go. You could not get a Leaf ticket. You probably know this better than anybody to save your life, man. It was it, I couldn't believe it. I thought we must be really bad in town here. You were you were a cool manager though, because the, the, there was always um, a little bit of more drama. You you were kind of a cool chess player with your bullpen, bullpen and stuff. The bat flip, um, I loved it, I, and I thought it was largely generational. The split, I thought it was like you know older people were like a little bit less likely to endorse it, and younger people were like, who cares? It was adrenaline. It looked cool. Fuck it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? 
where were you on that? I, I don't remember uh, listening to a quote of, of where you were. I, I have a good idea, I think, but where were you? Well, you know what? You know, to be honest with you, I didn't see it actually happen, you know, because uh, I was oh, watching yeah. the ball, make sure the thing got out. But I, I know exactly what happened. You know what? I've always been, uh, they call you the old school, the traditionalist. You know, I don't, I don't like hot dogging, but this was so different, man. This was like 23 years of frustration in a country and yeah. primarily Toronto there built up, you know, in, in the, the face of the franchise is doing it. If I'm on the other team, that doesn't bother me one bit. You know, I tip my hat to the guy, you know. Yeah. And the worst part about it, the Texas Rangers, they celebrated home runs more than anybody, you know, and they got up and, you know, and they're whatever. And, and so that's what, you know, it was such a, it was so bull BS, you know. It's funny uh, but, just the contrast in American sports. Like, you know, look at basketball. You know, basketball, like, you, you, you know, you can go, you go hockey, you can fight, you can go crazy and fight. And then, like baseball, a guy like tosses a bat a little, and people are like, "Oh my goodness!" It's like the Wimbledon of sports, or something. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, exactly. Hey, I'm gonna tell you this: you brought up hockey and basketball, and on baseball, mm. there's nobody like hockey players, man. Think baseball, hockey. I mean, uh, ten. I mean, well, tennis, the the basketball. No comparison to the toughness and the discipline of those guys, man. You know what? Fair enough. It's, yeah, I did call baseball the theatrical league, so I know. Yeah, you, yeah, you're 100 right. Yeah. But you know, but it, but the game has turned into a show, and they and they they encourage that, and and it rubs a lot of people wrong. But it's to sell tickets and all that. Uh, but if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna be a hot dog and you're gonna celebrate a little bit too much, then you shouldn't be worried about getting one in the ribs, right? See, I'm one of those guys that, that like I like Dennis Rodman. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I like Claude Lemieux. You know, like I, I want, uh, I, I like guys that inject um, a mental pestiness to the game. You know, like I, 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 I appreciate that because I find it, um, it, it's a skill that not many people, not many people have at all. And, uh, you know, but in baseball, um, there's a, there's a lot of things that you can do. I remember guys that used to stand in the back of the box and they would stretch, they would be sort of like in the back corner away, like from the plate. And they would stretch and bring their arm up. And then when they would uh, get into their batting stance and the ball, they would fake a bunt. And when they would come back, they would draw a catcher's interference. <laughs> and it was brilliant. And they never got caught doing it. Do you, did you know all those tricks as the catcher? Like, were you always kind of on the lookout? Well, you, well, I'm telling you, you can tell what somebody's doing. You, you get you get guys trying to cheat. I mean, they try. You know, they're doing their bat, like you said, waving the bat out front. They they bring it back. They're looking. They're trying to pick up your signs you're giving to the the catch. You know, the to the pitcher. But you know, you were talking about those guys doing stretch and all that. But back then, remember those guys used to wear the pants so tight they had to freaking stretch between every pitch, <laughs> man, because they were skin tight. We, but, you know, there's you know, you're always there's always looking for an advantage. You know, if if you can steal signs or whatever it is, or get on, you know. You know, if, if there's certain guys, you know, their swings a little bit longer, but then you're certain guys that you, you not a lot, but do try to do it intentionally. Catcher's got to back up. It's that simple, you know, and, uh, but it's, it's a crazy game. I think we're taking, we're taking the fun out of it a lot with all the analytic stuff, to be honest with you. And, and uh, it's, we're treating like a bunch of robots instead of personalities, human beings out there competing and getting after it. And, uh, you know, see, you know what you're talking about, you know, baseball used to have all these nicknames now too. You know, do you ever see any nicknames anymore in guys? No, but I have an idea though. Let's ban the mascot, because it's a it's a leftover from some sort of carny era. I don't know, like like you know, yeah, you don't like that. You don't like that. Go Jays, go cheer now. <laughs> no, I mean even the best one is still really whack. Um, the Philadelphia fanatic, like like. Even, oh, he's the best. No yes, doubt. But, he's, but he still looks like uh one of those um carnival uh. Uh, you know, games that you can't win, you know, like for that's what he looks like. And I, hey, well, hey, hey, do you remember? I don't know, you might be too young. Back in the uh, was it 70s, 80s, the Pittsburgh Parrot, they used to have a mascot. Yes, like big, I do remember. And he was the drug dealer on the team. He was, he would supply, remember, they had that big cocaine problem in the trials and all that back in. He was the supplier. Guys would go to uh, Pittsburgh and he, he would be in his mascot. Really? He would deal the that that news item slipped through the cracks for me. I'm 46. Maybe I was too young, but but the pirate mascot for the yeah, that's where a lot of guys were getting their get their cocaine. Wow, their that drugs. means yeah. that Daryl Strawberry would have to travel all the way from Manhattan. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, you grew up with a like you entered the league um around the same time as a lot of those legends like uh Gooden and um and, yeah, same uh, years, Gooden and Strawberry. 
and Lenny yeah. Dykstra. Lenny Dykstra kind of felt like he was related to Pete Rose in the way that he approached the game. He, he played that way. You know, yeah, you know what? Uh, Lenny was a roommate of mine a couple of years in the minor leagues, right? So I, I got to know him well. Most compulsive guy I've ever been around, man. And it's led to his own self-destruction. But uh, I have never seen a better leadoff hitter. I've never played with a better leadoff hitter. He played the game all out, all the, you know, beat up or whatever. He just had a great feel of playing the game, you know, in, in, uh, but, you know, he was a wild man, but he, but you could, you, I don't think there was a better leadoff hitter in the game at that time. Do you think that, um, I, I grew up uh, when, you know, I guess I was in high school when um, McGuire, or I just started college when McGuire and Sosa were doing their thing with all those home runs. Do you have an opinion on sort of like the juice era in baseball? Like if it means anything, if we should just, you know, look forward or, or, or do you take it personally? Like, what are your thoughts on that? I was going to go, I was kind of playing in that. And it kind of started coming in the late eighties. I'm going, hey, man, I should have got on the stuff, man. I'm glad I might've had a career, but. Yeah. I, I, you no, guys I, were all doing cocaine, John, at the time, I think. Right? Like, <laughs> actually, see, but it just shows you, you got to have some skill. The steroids alone aren't going to do you anything, but if you have skill and you add that. No, you know what? You know, I look at it this way because I, I'm speaking from, you know, the all the, the, the greats, right, that go as far as Hall of Fame and things like that. There's certain guys, you, you, you know, uh, I put him in the Hall of Fame, man, like Barry Bonds. Right? Put an asterisk by his name and explain, you know, because Barry Bonds was going in the Hall of Fame before probably. He was such a great player. But uh, even like Pete Rose, okay, we know he wouldn't, you know, the, that's the worst one. That's the worst one. Uh, put him in, yeah, put him in. Put an asterisk. Yeah, he, he gambled on baseball, but he's a, he's a hit king. You know, I mean, the, those guys. They're not all choir boys. The guys have been in, inducted in the Hall of Fame for years, right? And they say Ty Cobb killed somebody or something. I don't know. But, but that's, but, that's uh, I was gonna. I would have loved to see Ty Cobb play. I, I would have. I, I that see that would have been a treat. I think. Um, most hated man in baseball, probably. Was there a most hated man in baseball when you were managing? Besides Jose Batista? Yeah, I was going to say, guys, I'm on my own. <laughs> Gosh, let me think about it. Uh, Manny Ramirez wasn't well-liked, but he was good. You know, that's the thing. The guys, a lot of the guys, and these are the great players, and it's not, and maybe their personality rubs you wrong, but the fact that they burn you so many times, too, and then they rub it in on you, that's what yeah. gets people, you know. But when you're on your team, you love them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, hey, Donaldson was that way. He was, he was disliked in the game because, you know what? He, he, he goes back to theatrical. He had he, he he would pop off, but he'd back it up, and that's what the game's missing. I think a little bit. You know, we're also just uh, you know we're, we're let's let's hug everybody. Let's we we slide hard. Well, you can't even slide hard in a second anymore. We get up. Let's let's dust the guy off and apologize for whatever. You know, yeah. the game. Uh, um, you know, I, I don't get it. I feel like someone any, at any moment is going to pull a scorecard out of their back pocket and put something in pencil and then put it back. No. Oh yes, are you kidding me? <laughs> See, we're not even going to need coaches anymore because that used used to be the coach would be on the bench directing these guys. Hey, move over left and right, whatever. Now they just pull out their card. It's like, gosh, dog it. You know, I was, in, in, I in the pictures. I, I was upset when when uh, I, I don't remember what year it was, but you couldn't bowl over the catcher anymore. Uh, in, 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 and I think they changed it all uh, universally at, in all leagues at the same time or whatever. But the Buster uh, Posey rule. Yeah, I I just kept bowling over catchers though i just thought that <laughs> it was part of the game man you know right it was part That's of the right. game. Was, you know the you know baseball you don't score a lot of runs necessarily you know it, it can be low score you know hockey not every game's five four ten nine whatever you know not like football and basketballs and all that so that the name of the game scoring runs man you know and you, it's hard to score them so you better score them so if it means not going to guy over if he's blocking the plate What's wrong with that? I mean, you're, you're trying to keep them scoring the run. I don't get that movie. You know, if every if guy two or three guys were getting in, severely injured every year, costing them a career, disabled, or at least one guy every year, I could see it. Guys got hurt, yeah, in in the hundred years, but not that many. And then, yeah. uh, you know, I, my my thinking was always, well, okay, if if you don't want your catcher, if your catcher is like a future Hall of Famer, you don't want him getting injured. Tell him, hey, don't block the play. Just let that guy have it, right? But the other guys on the other team. If you, you want to block it, block it. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. 
4Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. It is baseball, baseball communications between teams is like um, Vikings. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not really, you know, it's kind of counterintuitive. It's like uh, you get brushed back. And so the next guy, you just like, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to guess brush him back too. But then you accidentally hit him. And then all of a sudden the bench is clear. But when the bench is clear, it's funny because the people running from the bullpen are like, I'm going to run, but it's going to be too late. It, it, it is it is hilarious to me that that the it was able the the base brawl was able to sustain itself for, for as long as it has. Hey, hey Dave, it's 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 terrible. It's not you know hockey. You know when they when they fight at least they, when they used to. I mean they were they, I mean, they were getting after it right. Yeah. In baseball, what happens? You know you get the. It's just Nolan Ryan. It, it's Nolan Ryan, George Bell, and everyone else, right? Right, right. Yeah, exactly. You know, occasionally you get those guys, he gets drilled and he goes right out there, right? Now the catcher can't stop him. The pitcher's got to decide, right? Yeah. But the, the majority of them would do, they'd sit there, they'll, they'll do this, and then they'll start jawing at the guy, and, the, and then they'll, they'll wait till the benches start to come out there because they know something's going on. And then when everybody's around, they'll make their move, you know, knowing that somebody's going to grab them and they can't get out there, you know? <laughs> and it's like, come on, man, if, you're, if it bothers you that bad – Go get the guy, you know. But hey, when you're saying about the bullpens running in, we yeah. lost a great uh, reliever that uh, Benoit that one year. He came in from bullpen. We had a brawl yeah. with the Yankees. He blew his calf out. We couldn't even use him in the playoffs. Like, like do you, if you don't if you don't run, are people like when, when they get back to the bullpen and be like, yeah, we'll fucking deal with that later, Sam. Like, is it like one of those things or? Oh, you better get out there and defend your your teammate. You know what I mean? That's what I mean. That's why it's like Vikings. Like, like you know, roar! Like just <laughs> yeah, but the, the guy but pulls the, a ham, right? But yeah, but the Vikings are actually uh, cutting guys' heads off. <laughs> yeah, so they got a purpose for running, right? Right, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Let me. Let, I, I want to pull this. You know, Josh Donaldson was in that, uh, the Vikings uh, series. Yeah, uh, so this is another quote from the book, speaking of um, Donaldson. One thing I learned with teams, you just sort of mentioned this earlier. One thing I learned with teams that I had in Toronto, we had some guys that weren't necessarily really, very well liked around the league. Great players, but they were emotional. Jose Batista, Josh Donaldson. Being respected is different than being liked. People viewed them as whiners. And also, Jose Batista, um, like, was that, like, he, he used the beard dye, right? Like, he must have. You know, there it was just so dark and theatrical his beard, and I used to think that he used it as pine tar, you know, secretly or something, just to get an edge. Um, but were they whiners, really, both of them? Yeah, there's times they yeah they got a little carried away, but not but they were viewed that way. Whether they you know uh, and other I feel teams. like when you say whiners, you don't mean it in, in exactly the way that I think it. Like no, whiners you know, not like you know uh, like pissing and moaning a kid that you know whines about it. He, he lost his dog or something, right? Or yeah. somebody took his toy. These were guys that would when I say whiners, they whine about the strike zone. The umpires making calls on them, right? And these are yeah. these are two of the greatest players you know in baseball, right? So and there were a lot of times they they, were, they had they had a beef you know because the umpires but they were they were they were always that way so now the umpires are starting to stick it to them a little bit so they you know they had a beef but they caused some of their own problems too right and it just uh, uh, and it would, and they would get brushed back pretty good you know pitchers would throw at them Batista got thrown thrown behind a few times yeah. Donaldson got buzzed pretty good so that's kind of what it leads to I don't look at why whiners i think in, in a lot of ways can be a good thing because you know what it, it helped us out in a lot of ways too i think donaldson was the first major league player that i had ever seen um sort of take a, a an aggressive stance against uh, a manager i had never seen that um before i've seen dennis rodman do it or something but in that in basketball but never in baseball 
Um, was that a, the only time that a player had ever done that? And I'm not trying to throw Donaldson under the bus. He was emotional at the time. He just struck out for the. Are you talking about with me? Yeah. When, no, in man, the like, there, when he struck out and threw the bat there. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's you know you know that that, that story you know what the. Josh and I had a great relationship, right? We still keep in touch, right? Yeah. You know, he, uh, oh, I'm not trying to like make news. Or no, nothing, I know. I'm, 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 yeah. I've never gonna, seen a gonna, player do that before in baseball. No, no, but, um, no, I don't, I know to say that. I don't think I had, but we had this, he was pissing and moaning because he was, he thought he should have had the day off. And I, and I know I told him before the game, you know, you want to need a day off. And I, and if I don't know who's right or wrong, but I, you know, I, I can only trust myself. He said, no, I'm good. And I said, well, I'll DH you to give you a break, right? Oh. Anyway, DC Sabathia. So anyway, he goes up there and he gets he punches him out. He's 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 you can you, you can always I can you can, one thing when you're managing a baseball team, right? You do it every day. I can always tell where guys' heads are at, right? Whether they're in a good frame of mind or whether you know if they're struggling, if they're I mean, and if these and if they're volatile type guys, it's almost watch out, right? Yeah, you know, get out get out of the way or or you know what, get ready for something, right? And so I kind of knew I had that feeling after that first at bat, you know, because he's looking at me, right? But we had that kind of relationship. And then the, the second time, you know, he waxed the he waxed the, the guardrail. And I go, wait a minute, I'm standing right. That ain't gonna happen, man. That, you know, you can go beat your head up against the wall all you want, but but you ain't, I'm not gonna suffer the pain, man. But you're doing something stupid. So he went down there to the bat rack, and I, you know, I said I, I ain't gonna sit here, and, you know. Yeah. So I went down there. We said a few things. And Tulowitzki, Tulo. Anytime there was a little little uh, dust up or whatever. Tulo's always the peacemaker. He gets in the middle. And he's the, he's a voice of reason. So it, it was, it turned out to be nothing, but you know what? It that wasn't the first time we had anything like that. And, and uh, uh, put, put it, put it this way. You know, there, there was, uh, I always thought it was important in, in, the, in the, especially on those good teams. Everybody knew where everybody stood, you know, there wasn't, I, I had no problem listening to their, their bitching and moaning and voicing their opinion. And I, I'd ask them for advice because they were that good. And they were that, that intelligent baseball guys. Right. But they also had to know that, you know what, there's somebody steering the ship here too. You know, it ain't just a bunch of guys, you know, out of control too. Right. Cause that's the way, you know, that, that's the way it's gotta be. The idea of catchers becoming managers is perhaps a little overblown, but there is no doubt that a catcher has a different perspective on the game. It's the way they view it, looking out at everything. The nuts and bolts of baseball games are the pitching and catching, since there is so much of it. You can't be a rockhead and go back out there. What hurts the game now is that in high schools and colleges, there are coaches that call every pitch. So some catchers have never called their own pitches once they get to pro ball. I didn't know that. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, now when I was in high school, that wasn't the case. I guarantee you, I, probably over 95% of the colleges – Major college included the pitching coach or the manager calls the pitches. Same thing in high schools nowadays, you know. Wow. And, and I'm telling you, it's I, I don't in uh, I don't I don't get it. But that, it, that's it, like the uh, baseball equivalent to not learning cursive. Exactly, exactly. Okay, if you know if the if the crown of line, if the uh, if the coach or the manager was that smart, he would have been a better player and wouldn't have to be a coach or manager, right? <laughs> that would have made enough is money. That a, is that a Billy Bean joke? No, that's, no, that's, that's my own. I would have never gotten to coaching and managing if my career had been better because I, I would have made more money. I wouldn't have had to do this. Do you have a friendship with Billy Bean? Because uh, you don't seem to like the um, uh, direction of baseball that he helped usher in. Oh, Billy, Billy and I are tight. Billy, okay. we, you know, the, in 1983, they met at three first round picks. Daryl Strawberry was number one nation. Billy Bean was the 23rd pick and I was 24 all over the Mets. And we became friends. We were very good friends. I went out and lived with him one winter. I think it was 82 or 83. We had a pickup league. Pro guys would play the universe or San Diego State in some just some games during the winter, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so we we always and you know, we always kept in touch over the years. You know, Billy Billy was one of the most talented players I had ever seen, right? But he was he, he you know talk you want to talk about a hothead, right? Well, that that got, was, yeah, it was his mental game, wasn't it? That, that, yeah, that got in his yeah. way, man. You know, and I think he always regretted because he was a he was a stud high school quarter, six four, man, could fly, got a cannon at a high school. He was going to Stanford. To play. John Elway was there leaving at the time. He was helping recruit him, right? And I think he always regretted not going to play football. But any anyway, but but he he was so hard on himself and he couldn't slow the game down and he was very emotional. Uh, it's like some of the ways like Donaldson and, and uh, Batista, but they figured it out, you know, right? They, uh, it's, it's a weird game like that. Like when you're in a slump, you're not seeing the ball in the same way. Your stance could be identical. 
it, it is so much about mental game. Um, you know, it's, it's yeah. yeah. And with confidence, man, if you're not confident when you step into that box, forget it. Even the greats, man, if they're, for some reason, their confidence is off. They think something's a little out of whack. It's tough, man. Part of me wants to sue my baseball coach from little league because he taught me how to throw a curveball when I was 12. And now my rotator cup is just fucked for the rest of my life. <laughs> I agree with you, man. A huge mistake. Well, and then, and then, and then of course, if they're calling the pitches, then that's all they're throwing because they know them guys can't hit it if you got a decent one. That's right. Um, so tell me, um, we, we have a little bit of time left. Tell me about why you wrote the book now. Um, you know, is it something that you expected to do as a project? Um, you know, it just, no, no? <laughs> James, I'm telling you, honestly, God, truth. When I got fired at, the, at my last home game when I was leaving in 2018, right? Mm. I became really good friends with oh, damn near every, uh, person in the media press, you know, the cover. You're like the only guy that's ever done that. Well, you know, you know what that it was? I like these people, man. They're good people. You know what? Just because somebody writes something bad about it, the team's crap, the team's crap. You can't expect good things when things aren't bad, right? It doesn't mean they're bad people. They're out to get you. And so I kind of befriended them. And uh, so three or four of them, you know, after, you know, the end of the day there in 18, when I was, was, I would never be back. They said, hey, if you ever write a book, I want to write it. And I, t- and I told a couple, I said, remember my book? Are really? you kidding me? No, he's going to read my book. And I said, I wouldn't even read it. Really, that's what I was thinking. So I said, okay, well, we'll see what happens down the road, right? And that, that was never an intention, you know, because I didn't think I was worthy of a book, what have you. And so- That's why uh, you're worthy. You're, 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 you're a funny mix of humble and go fuck yourself. Like, it's great. You know, like you have, a, you have that told, range. You have that range inside. See, I told you I was corralled too much as a young kid, man. See, now I'm letting go. I got to let some go. I got a question I, of authority, right? I could visualize that injury that you sustained when you were a kid, when you had the stick in your hand and you jumped and then it went through the roof of your mouth. I was totally right there with you, you know? <laughs> And it was so funny the way you put it. You're like, that lady was right. You shouldn't play with sticks. Yeah, you know, it's, hey, you suffer the consequences, man. That's the only way you learn, right? Sometimes and, it's harder, harder than others. But and that was Puerto Rico, right? Wasn't it? Puerto Rico, yes, Ramey Air Force Base. What's the baseball culture like in in places like Puerto Rico and other places like that? Well, to be honest, I've never been down to winter ball where it's crazy, right? I know, I know all these guys come. And I was so young when we were Stacy Puerto Rico, I, I wasn't playing baseball. But, but just from just from uh, we did we did remember they, when the Expos were when they were you know at, at, at the tail end when they were going to send them to DC. They they yes. they played like four or five series down in Puerto Rico, right? Remember that? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And we were we were one of them, so we went down there. We played at this little little stadium. But the people were nuts, man. They filled that place. And I've always heard, you know, you go down like the winter ball in, in, in different Latin American countries, you know, it's, it's like, a, I mean, it's like, it's like a religion, right? And you see all the great players that come out of it. But, you know, in some countries you'll go, they say, you know, there's cops in the, with uh, machine guns in the crowd, you know, to keep it under control. Go, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> But there's these, uh, you know, it's like, uh, it's, it's really, it's their, it's their whole life. I don't think they play any other sports. Maybe they play soccer, but I don't know if they play anything else. Uh, in West Palm Beach once, uh, uh, something happened that made me never seek another autograph again as long as I lived. Um, I, I went to see, you know how like the Yankees and the Expos shared a facility in West Palm? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, we went to Randy Johnson. It was like what it was like his first spring training game ever. And they didn't have a jersey that fit him. They just <laughs> so they had to get some weird shirt with masking tape that said R. Johnson on it. Right? And, and Delino DeShields and Marquise Grissom were both rookies. I think it was right around that time. Anyways, oh, okay. Don Mattingly was standing outside after the game or whatever, um, outside a bus. And I'm like nine or eight or something. And I'm like trying to get through the crowd. I kind of even feel stupid. Then. I'm just like, what am I doing? <laughs> right? And then I get trampled. And then all of a sudden a hand gets pulled in. And sorry, I got Don Mattingly's autograph, but he just did a weird look away sort of scribble that didn't look like a six. <laughs> And I get pulled out and I look up and it's like this old, like Latin couple or whatever. And I'm sitting there kind of scared. I don't know where my dad is. And they're like, don't worry, we take care of you. And then all of a sudden, Andres Galarraga walks up and it's his, and it's his parents. And they're right. Yeah. And then then my, then my dad shows up and he starts signing autographs and everything. And I'm like, I'm bleeding and shit. And like, you know, (laughs) But I was, uh, yeah, but you're in the book. The reason why I bring it up is because in the book, it's really neat to see how you reflect as an adult signing autographs 
with the kid that once used to seek them. And, and that is sort of why you um, sort of end usually on a note like, oh, you know, it's not always fun to sign autographs, but I get it. It's sort of my role. I, I like that, you know? Yeah, well, you know, uh, uh, I think I talked about it, but I don't remember what I'll put in there. But when, when you mentioned Puerto Rico, when I was living down there, our next door neighbor, uh, uh, this, this this woman, uh her brother was named, it was Mick Tinglehoff. He was the center for the Minnesota Vikings. He was eventually a Hall of Famer, right? And so he come, he come down there in the offseason because he's in Puerto Rico, visit his sister. And, you know, so they were our neighbors. So I got to meet him. I was young, but, you know, this is Mick Tinglehoff. He's a Minnesota Vikings. So at that, that point, so I started writing letters to every player on the Minnesota Vikings for an autographed picture, right? And you would not believe <laughs> Oh, you were that, that kid, eh? <laughs> yeah, I thought, you know what? I'm going to try, you know, I'm going to try that. You would not believe how many nice eight by 10 photos I got signed by the different Vikings players. And I thought for those guys to do that, I said, that's pretty, and I, and I put them in a big old scrapbook that meant the world to me. Right. So later on when I'm just some days, I don't want to sign a bag of autograph, but I remember I'd look back and say, you know what? They did that for me. They, even then they sent me a nice picture. I'm just signing a little crappy card, you know? I said, hey, but speaking of Madden, you know, this year you can go back out there and get a real autograph. Cause he's with- <laughs> that's right. Um, why did you, uh, why do you think, and will it stay this way, that you uh, only manage one team in your major league managerial career? It's a good question because I've been on some other interviews. You know, I, I uh, you know, it's weird. And, and uh, I thought only the Cito, Canadians will take them. Well, Cito Gaston won two world championships right there. And he's yeah. never managed another team. How does that happen? Oh, that is weird too, isn't it? Yeah. And he won, he won the whole shebang twice. That is weird. You know, it's like, you know, I don't know. It's the, uh, is that the curse of Canada or what? Yeah, well, the Raptors definitely had a, um, a, a p- players had an aversion to Toronto, but I think it was for good reason. I'm one of those people that like hated the launch of the Raptors. I thought we were the Barney team. That's what Americans called us, the Barney team. And I thought I was really embarrassed because it was like Jurassic Park's popular. Let's make it a dinosaur. Like, and that's all the thought. Yeah, that would, yeah, yeah. I like their branding now. I like We the North, so I'm fine with it or whatever. But at the time, I just, I just couldn't stand it. But this, um, yeah, the the the, the Toronto uh, the, the way <laughs> it's so funny the way that we pick our teams. Um, you know, we we just we vote for them online, um, or or or, or at least or at least at the time I think we were like or we was mail in ballots through the Toronto Sun or something like that. But um, yeah, I'm not a big fan. Um, that's, Expo- how, that's how they, that's how you guys selected the name Raptors every time. Yeah, there was like a voting, like it was like between that and the towers and something else. And it was you think just, that's why they changed the name of like the Cleveland Indians and the Redskins and all? Well, they, maybe they're gonna have to change the name of the Raptors or what? I think I actually I'm gonna I'm gonna say it because I I thought of this years ago and I even put together a package honestly for Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment. I was, I was that crazy about this. I think that the NBA, I think that the Raptors should change their name to the Toronto Streets. And it should be like a, one of those neat names that are kind of like abstract, but still kind of cool. It takes care of the hip hop culture. You can say from downtown Young Street, from downtown Queen Street, because we're the streets. Da, da. It has all these marketing and branding things. And it's not a fucking dinosaur, John. Like it's, <laughs> I agree. It's not Barney. I kind of I know what you're talking about. Hey, Barney, we got big old purple Barney here over there. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, but then I guess I guess you got the last laugh when they won it all a few years ago. You know, it's kind of. That's right. So do you see yourself ever managing again then? You know what, James, I would love to, you know, um, I went down you know, after the uh, Astros had this cheating scandal. Yeah. Just taking a job with the Braves, my guy, Alex Anthopoulos is running it over there in the, in the owner for the Astros came, interviewed me. I went down there. I felt really good. And then the next day, Dusty Baker came in, Dusty got the job. Right. Mm. But that would have been ideal because they've been closer to home. And then two weeks later, the Red Sox called because Joey Cora you know, who was involved in the Houston deal, he was under investigation because, you know, when he went back to Boston. So I went up to an interview for that. And, uh, and they told me in that one, well, if, if this, uh, if there's not, if there's not anything here, um, and we're probably, we're just going to, he, he had been suspended. He was being suspended anyway for the year at Coro. We're just yeah. going to stick with Renicky. But if there's something there, you'll probably be the guy, you know, but do that you was, have a, do you have a reputation in the league? Like, are you kind of like, uh, he's a little bit of a wild card. Like, are, do you, you know, well, you know, I had a, you know, James, good question. I don't know. I mean, I had a couple of dust ups with players early in my you know, careers. I, I don't regret any of them, but uh, you know, I've, I've, I even asked some of these general managers cause you know, the analytics is so big in baseball now. Right. Yeah. And I think I got the, the, uh, I'm viewed as anti analytics, which is so far from the truth. I don't get carried away like a lot of guys do, or like, I think we've gone way too far, but I think that's kind of stuck with me in the, in the, in its, uh, I don't know if I'm a, they think I'm a, I'm a, 
you know, I do, I'd like to do things my own way, but I'm a team. I'm as big a team player as you're going to ever have. And I'm, I think my greatest trait is my loyalty, but I think for myself, you know, and, um, but yeah, so I, I, I don't know what the perception is to tell you the truth. I, I I'm with you on that stuff. I think that, that there's a, there's an intangible part of baseball um, that is hard to sort of figure out. Like, uh, the pitcher's on the mound and maybe like he takes a breath and his anxiety is just all of a sudden like out of nowhere because he realizes the bases are loaded. He can't remember the sign. And all of a sudden the game is about to change on a dime because of a mental thing. Like, you know, the analytics can't touch that shit. You know, they, they don't know what's right. going on in the brains of, in, of players. So while over a long period of time, the analytics might technically be correct. There's these little pockets in there that are uh, blessed with people like Kirk Gibson. You know, and people, yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? So hey, James, you know what? Analytics are good. Baseball has always been about numbers, right? And numbers don't lie. My big, my big really only issue with a lot of it is, you know, I watch games nowadays, right? They yank guys left and right. Like, and you know, you're wondering why, right? But, the, but what I've learned since I started playing baseball and until my last day as a manager on any given night, it might be that guy's night, right? He may be Joe Blow, just get called up. He may be on that night. And, I, and I've, I've witnessed it. And you know what? And if you if you take him out too early, I don't understand that, you know. Uh, and you look over in the other dugout, and they're going, hey, thank you very much, asshole, man. With a guy, we couldn't touch this guy. And now you're giving – and the game swings, right? Yeah. And not only that, and so if it's one of those nights for whoever it is, let him go, man. And then, you know, if he gets in trouble or, or they, it, it, you, you'll know when it's time or they say – well, maybe he manages by his gut too much. No, I manage by my eyes. My eyes tell me it's not my gut. My eyes, man, I'm watching it. And you well, know, also we kill those, we kill the bullpens down there because we don't leave the starters in. And 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 if I'm an owner of a team and I'm paying a starting pitcher 100 million bucks a year and he can't go more than five innings, I'm wondering why the heck not. Yeah, and also if they're star pitchers, they should travel with the team. Oh yeah. Well, you know what? Well, I don't know what you're referring to, but I know. I know. I'm referring you know, to Roger Clemens. I think. You know. Oh, did Roger not travel? He did, that. he did that when he was in Toronto. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, you know what? We'd always send the like if we we're we we're playing a late night game and we were flying somewhere the next day, we'd always send the pitcher out that day early so he'd get there and get a good night's sleep. But I, yeah. I wasn't aware. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, well, well, yeah, he had the hammer, man. I'm such a purist, eh? Like I'm such an asshole about it. Well, team, man. it's called like, team, isn't it? Like, like what? Okay, let me ask you this: What do you think of the in the neighborhood call for the double play at second? Well, not that ain't, we ain't got that anymore, man. But it used to be—I used to be fine with it, you know, unless it was to, it, it, to the extreme. Really, I hated know? it. I was so—I get so angry about it. Like, like you know, you, you, especially well, yeah. when you're the guy sliding into second, and and dude, some of the good shortstop would wink as they would purposely not hit the bag and still get called out, and you'd still get called out, right? Like, you know, but I think that they allowed it because that—that that was a way of an infielder protecting himself, right? If he's if he's got to anchor down on the bag, and that's when you could slide hard. Yeah. That was the way they come across there, and if it's if it's close enough, okay, they'll give it to them. Now, now, yeah, you're right. You'll see something that are not even close, and they don't they don't change it, or they call them call them out. And you're going, okay, that's where an argument, man. There's your entertainment. That's right. But uh, I think what the, the the rule now is a joke. Are you kidding me with this thing? In in the, that uh, you can't go in there and break up a double play. Really? I mean, yeah. Infielders used to learn how to stay to keep from getting hurt, right? So they 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 and it goes back to like the catcher. If guys were getting hurt all the time and careers were ending because of it, okay, I get it. But if this was a Chase Utley rule, it it, it happens, but it very it's very rare, you know. And, and then, then one, one last thing, though, why you got to be yeah. fired up, James? Yeah, go ahead. This this rule now, and I don't know if it was the COVID rule or what it was, or speed up the game. Major League Baseball an extra inning start with a runner on second base. Are you kidding what? me? Is this, that's literally, you know, they play in the, you know, they don't do it during the playoffs, but yeah, the last two years. If the game's tied, extra, it's going extra innings. Each team, you know, they get to get, get, get a shot at scoring. They start with a runner on second base, no outs. I'm going. That's like Pee Wee. Yeah. 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 But but that, you know, it's come on. <laughs> oh, wow, God. that is yeah. awful. Sometimes, heard, yeah. You know what though? You know what? And, makes, then, and then inexplicably, sorry, John, but I have to say this because no. I still think it's ridiculous. What is it, Houston? That has that fucking mini putt feature in center field. They got to run up like your goddamn bionic man or something. Like, well, no, they did. They they ended up. They got they got what that was called Hal Hill. Hal uh, Hal's Hill. Hal uh, 
brought to you by Cirque du Soleil? Like, what, what's yeah. happening? Well they, well, they ended up changing and putting, putting a fence out there because they, uh, yeah, guys would be running up that thing, falling down, break their neck. You oh, know? my God, your Achilles. <laughs> one guy who had ruptured his Achilles because you're, like, running uphill, like, as fast as you can go. Only hey, Bill Jackson. Here's the, uh, I'm sure they got to seek approval from the league. Of, you know, this is how we want our field to look. Like, you know, Toronto's going I through. I know. They got some weird mafia exem- exemption because <laughs> they, they're the only place that actually had it. Hey, well, though, you know, in the old, old Yankee Stadium, I guess they, they you know, the, where they keep the monuments, you know, the old, you know, yeah, was it? Uh, it used to be they didn't have a fence there. The m- monuments were in play, but it was way the heck out there. So some guys would hit balls back, balls rolling around the monument. That's the story I heard. Off Babe Ruth's cheek, you know, on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if Babe had any inside the Parkers, but he might have. Um, John, listen, um, thank you very much for coming. I, I really appreciate your time. I could talk to you for forever. I, I, I've noticed that baseball and hip hop, um, are, are like cousins for me because I could just sit there and shoot the shit about it uh, for forever. Um, and, well, I can, uh, I can sit here and talk baseball and country music with you. We can go that route too. You know, country music and hip hop are cousins, my friend, because they're both uh, telling it like it is for the people singing the song. Right? That's a good point, man. Never thought That's of right. that. Yeah. And they're, you know, and they, one just, one, just, one just keeps it a little cleaner than others most of the time. Well, that's because rappers know that you're not supposed to like perform in cow shit. So, The book is called Gibby, yeah. Tales of a Baseball Lifer. You hey, what do you think of that picture, by the way? How's that picture? Do I need to change I mean, that real quick? I mean, they, you're probably laughing at the umpire splitting his pants, but um, exactly. <laughs> is it just, do you think it was difficult to find a picture of you smiling on the field? Is that what you're saying? No, I just if it wasn't good enough. I, I, oh, I think it's a I, great I, picture. Yeah. I think I got another month to change it, maybe. Maybe not. No, you're good. You look exactly like uh, an executive would look at you and be like, I'm not sure about him, guys. I'm not sure. You know, people say, I, I, would, I don't know what your opinion is. They say, they say, hey, you look like Jack Nicholson, you know, you know, the, the fat old Jack, you know, with the hair. <laughs> yeah, really? you look I like Jack's kid. like half brother, you know, the mistress kid, right? With like big boy. Gibby, thank you so much for joining us, buddy. James, my pleasure, man. Good meeting you. Enjoyed yeah. it. We'll do it again, huh? Uh, yeah, definitely. Let's do it again, sir. You have a good night. You too, pal. See ya. All right, buddy. Wow, what a great guy. Um, that was fun. That was really fun for me. Um, you know, I haven't talked baseball in a long time. Baseball was like, you know, if there were like four pillars in my life of major things. It was baseball from like age five to age 20. Um, yeah. And, uh, and talking to a guy like that is just really fun. He had an interesting career. Injuries sort of thwarted it. He was a first-round draft pick. And now he is, um, you know, he's been retired from uh, managing for a while. He's only managed the Blue Jays. Uh, he had a really good record with the Blue Jays. Um, best you can hope for in baseball anyways. He was above 500. But uh, he played, He managed 11 seasons. But what a great dude. Um, he's, uh, he's funny. He's affable. He's clearly um, authentic. And, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a really good time. Oh, what day is it? Tuesday. Yeah. I have a show tomorrow. <laughs> uh, the guest hasn't been confirmed, but what I'm going to start doing now is uh, as a way to sort of alleviate as well the um, stress I feel whenever I can't book a guest or when a guest cancels is um, is do sh- solo shows. You know, I've been thinking about it for a year and I just didn't want to do any um, solo show unless I knew what I wanted to do uh, that didn't include just a meandering conversation with nobody for 20 minutes because I'd blow my head off if I had to listen to myself for 20 minutes meander. So instead of meandering, perhaps something a little bit more organized. So I, um, I that's about all I'll give you for now, but it's, it's going to be... Um, it's going to be done in such a way where the, the content should be evergreen enough where um, I'm taking on sort of broad uh, issues and, and almost like an essay form, um, you know, and maybe bring it on a guest for, for five or 10 minutes, uh, you know, just to sort of round things out, but we'll see how it goes. And then uh, of course on Friday, um, the triumphant return of casual Friday, I haven't decided what I'm going to do this week or how many of my um, regular listeners I'm going to piss off. Um, you know <laughs> sorry emil sorry everybody it's two weeks in a row danny b and emil 
I think you guys should get married. That's what I think. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I hope there's no hard feelings with anyone because I don't think about things long enough to really mean anything, um, you know, with malice. And it's been a crazy week. Uh, David Wallace is uh, was on yesterday. Uh, the Regina police chief, Evan Bray, was also on. That was a really interesting show. And uh, and I got to put the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church into his ear. And uh, and tomorrow I'm going to follow up by uh, sending him a whole bunch of uh, news articles dealing with the cult. So that um, a powerful police officer in the province of Saskatchewan can perhaps um, be of the opinion that there is a crazy fucking lunatic cult uh, operating in Saskatchewan. And yeah, uh, th- so that was a fun interview. And we will see you tomorrow and Thursday. I just don't know who yet. And I don't know what the solo project is going to be. And I've never been this tired. And my kids have stayed home from school, at least one of them, for like the last three weeks because of sicknesses and the million fucking snow days. Like, it, what do they think? Are snowflakes like peanuts and we're afraid like the, the allergic kid is going to die w- what's going on no offense to people that die because of peanuts you know the target but i i don't know parents let me ask you this i have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old if they cancel the buses they keep the school open but if your kid goes to school they don't learn anything because they don't actually teach lessons because they say they don't want those kids getting ahead. <laughs> getting ahead of what? It's not, it's not a fucking race. If you're at the school, if you made your way to the school, you should expect to learn when you arrive in said school. I, you know, maybe do review. You know, we just came out of, of a pandemic. Perhaps now is not the time to have like eight unscheduled PA days every single month because the bus can't travel in one centimeter of snow. Just risk the lives of our kids and drive that fucking bus to the goddamn school, guys. <sighs> I don't like ranting. Ranting's fun. <sighs> I'll see you next time on Blackball. Blackball. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. 
Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.